Welcome to the Lighthouse Financial Advisors Money Over 50 podcast with Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Lighthouse Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome everyone to Money Over 50, uh, episode 19, the best places to travel in your 60s with uh, our guest, Maria Pandale from Travel Managers. Welcome, Maria. Hi, Michael. How are you? Thanks for having me. Very well, thank you. Um, Maria, tell us a little bit about uh, how you work. You're a travel manager Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to a travel agent. Mm -hmm. Just give us a little bit of a background on, on your experience and how that differentiates a little bit from the the typical travel agent. Yeah, sure. So I've been in the travel industry for 23 years and my current role um, is I'm a personal travel manager. I've been doing that for 10 years this year. What that essentially means is that I work for myself but using the name travel managers and I work a bit differently. I meet my clients at cafes because I'm a mobile consultant. So mainly at cafes or the houses or businesses, whatever works for them. And I find that my clients really, really enjoy that because it's a very relaxed atmosphere. There's no interruption. And um, yeah, and they're just carefree, I guess, in yeah. that environment. Fantastic. And um, and you won an award in the past. You were Travel Agent of the Year in 2011. Um, and and that was Australia-wide. That's across all forms of, of uh, travel agents. So yeah. you obviously know your stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> I would like to think so. I, I don't t- want to embarrass you. 23. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, you would think after 23 years yeah yeah um yeah no it was a really 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 good award to win it, it boosted my profile with travel managers as, as a whole and yeah. yeah it just showed that um you know people in townsville are good at what they do it's fantastic yeah. you know, i mean I, I think i've always said um around the 20 year experience mark is is perfect because you have enough experience uh, but you're still young enough to have the energy and you still have lots of career left but you, you have 20 years experience now maybe I'm a little bit um, uh, I guess uh, influenced by the fact that I have 20 years in the financial <laughs> planning industry as well but um, but you know I think it's I think it's a sweet spot in terms of, of having enough having enough knowledge and learning along the way and, and obviously um, you, you learn by uh, looking at what has worked and what hasn't worked equally uh, and that all that all factors into the advice that you give your your clients and customers. So yeah, absolutely. that's fantastic. And um, uh, I hear that you've been uh, chosen as one of six uh, people to talk to hundreds of your colleagues at the Travel Managers uh, Conference in Perth uh, coming up really really soon in August. So. Um, the uh, tell us a little bit more about that uh, I believe the theme is the customer this year so yeah so yeah basically every year there's a travel managers conference that's held at different locations around Australia and then international it alternates so this year it's in Perth I was asked by the uh, CEO to to discuss with the other personal travel managers who will be attending about what I do differently with my client interaction because as you said the the focus this year is the customer 
So that's happening next week. And the main three aspects that I'm going to, I guess, present is the fact that you need to have an amazing relationship with your client because if you do, they'll like you and they'll trust you and want to do business with you. The second thing I think it's really important is having product knowledge, but also knowledge about everyday travel aspects. And uh, because, you know, let's be honest, consumers do want to deal with people who know what they're talking about. Obviously very important. And the third thing which I'm going to touch on as well is about time in regards to making time for your client. Because if you don't have time for your client, you're rushing them. And I think that's absolutely wrong. I think it's it's fantastic to actually have that time to give them to get to know them sort of travel get to know the sort of traveler they are um and yeah that's that's fantastic let's dive into point three a little bit more so um making time for your client Mm -hmm. Um, that that certainly resonates with me and i know uh that you have a theme to make time for your client and outsource the rest uh tell us um Tell us what you do in your life in mm-hmm. terms of outsourcing. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I got to a point there, Michael, a few years ago where I felt like I needed to take hold of time and just just basically, you know, try and create more time in my life. So I started basically thinking of things that essentially make me cringe when I think of them. So over time, what I ended up doing was I hired a cleaner, I hired a bookkeeper, I have a mowing man. I even do Woolworths online orders, which I think really helps as well. And I'm actually considering another thing which I really despise is ironing. So I'm considering actually now getting an ironing person. So I feel that all of those services combined saves me, it's around seven hours a week, which Mm. I feel is a big chunk of my time, especially it's about a day's work, really. It is, yeah. So it's really important. And it's just the, the... Cost to outweigh the cost of those particular services. Still, at what you do still outweighs the cost of those services. What I'm basically trying to say as well. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're certainly preaching to the converted in, in myself because uh, I uh, I do things a little bit differently, but I, I but I outsource as well. I mean, yeah. Um, that's seven hours really. It, it it is a whole day's work. But if you if you're interrupted by those little things, um, it, it stretches out to two days like you know, mm. to two and a half days of the week so i mean mm-hmm. you could you could um you know conceivably you could you could have uh, two and a half interrupted days that would take you up to wednesday lunchtime if you had to do all those little things yeah. that interrupt the mm-hmm. flow of of your work and i imagine i imagine um uh, similar to us like when we when we sit down and and we have um all the uh, all, all of our clients information and we're formulating a a financial plan mm-hmm. um it's it's really it's it's really if you if you're disrupted in um uh, little bits of things that you have to do uh, all the time then you, you find that you can't get any flow on uh, there so you don't mm. you actually don't you, you're just not giving your all and i imagine that would be the same thing with with booking um, you know, flights from Townsville to Brisbane to, to Singapore to uh, you know, Abu Dhabi and, and so forth and mm. accommodation along the way, you really need to sit down and make sure that you, you have that all flow on and you couldn't be interrupted by um, all those things that you mentioned. Tedious jobs, yes. No, I think it's really, really important because, yeah, like you said, it, you don't want to interrupt your flow because it could take me hours to, to put together one itinerary, which you know could be a two-month-long itinerary. Yes. So you need to really be focused. And in my particular job as well, you need to be 
100% accurate in what you do. There's absolutely no room for any error. So you do need to be really, really concentrating on what you're doing. It's really, really yeah, important. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you yeah. can't be 99% right. It's either you're wrong yeah. or, you're, <laughs> or you're right. Uh, it's, it's, it's so exactly. black and white in your field. Yeah, because yeah. things like you know, flight connections, making sure yes. everything lines up. Yeah. Because if it doesn't line up, then there's going to be a crack in that itinerary. And, yeah. yeah, so that's you need right. to make sure that you're on, you're on the ball. Yeah. yeah. Um, staying on the outsourcing thing, mm-hmm. so uh, one of your... Um, most frequent clients or customers are people that, that like to outsource. <laughs> so um, uh, you mentioned before in episode 18, which was best place to travel in your 50s. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go back and listen to that one. Um, but but you're talking about one of your typical customers or clients are, are people that are, are time poor and like to outsource as well, mm. um, I imagine. So, yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're essentially doing what I'm doing, but they're outsourcing to me. Yes. <laughs> which is which is yeah. great. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Otherwise, they'd have to give up a, a week of their life, which they don't have, mm-hmm. uh, or more, to, mm-hmm. to, to book um, you know, their upcoming holiday and, um, and still not do it as, as thoroughly as someone that's a professional. Yeah, but potentially they could do it themselves and make an error and it costs yes. them more time. Yes. So, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Um, uh, fantastic. So, so can you tell us about the type of, of travel that people, that suit people in their 60s mm-hmm. uh, best? Yep. Uh, those types of things that you commonly see where people uh, in their 60s, yep. the, the styles of holidays and, and travel that they book. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's about three that, that I think are quite common for people traveling in their 60s. The first one is a self-drive holiday. What I basically mean by that is I will book someone's flights, car hire and accommodation, and it'll be like a set itinerary based around their needs. Yep. Driving around countries such as United Kingdom, Ireland, New Zealand's really popular as well. And they're at that point there where also they're quite good navigators. So they're actually quite comfortable to to find their own way around. Um, And yeah, those sort of itineraries or countries that you can self-drive are the ones that are generally first world countries as well. They're not ones that are hard to get around. So as the countries I just mentioned, the other sort of style of holiday that a lot of 60s start thinking about and start have started doing as well is organized tours. So meaning with a group of people so whether it's a small group tour of 10 or whether it's a larger group tour of 40 or 50 just depends on which one they prefer is really popular as well and those organized tours are all over the world yeah. essentially so and they're really good for people who don't want to navigate themselves around so it's a complete opposite to the self-drive so they're the ones that want everything done for them want to be told when what time to be ready down in a foyer to go to the next town they just want basically a stressless holiday. Yes. And then the third one is cruising. Now, cruising is very, very popular nowadays. Yeah. Uh, and it is ideal for the 60s because just like the organized group tours, you you basically have everything done for you. But the difference between cruising and organized tours is that cru- with cruises, you unpack and pack once. Yes. So it's actually more ideal for certain people in the fact that they don't want to be unpacking and packing every single time. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I I, uh, I can certainly resonate with cruising. So I've I've done um, not too many, but three cruises, and it's just so convenient to unpack once and to yeah, you know, arrive in in the port for uh, by the time that you wake up, you're you're there, and mm. um, you get off and you do your day trip, and then you come back on, yeah, and then yeah, um, 
uh, you're off again to the next port. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's really good. Um, some stories. Uh, you have some unique stories of some travel uh, that uh, uh, customers of yours have booked uh, in their sixties. So mm-hmm. um, one in particular uh, on North Korea. Uh, I've never heard of anyone traveling to North Korea before. Tell us about that. <laughs> okay, I'll be honest. In my 23 years in the industry, it's only happened once, <laughs> which was with a very, very adventurous client of mine. Yeah. I'll refer to him as Jeff. So Jeff has been absolutely almost everywhere in the world. Now, he came to me to book a holiday to North Korea maybe five or so years ago, and at that time it was very hostile over there. So I said to him, I will not book that holiday for you. When the time comes, we will we will go back to that one. So yeah. he trusts me enough and values me enough that he yeah. he listened to my my um, advice. But two years ago, there were actual tours going to North Korea. Yes. So I found one for him, and he went on over via China because you can't get there any other way. So you have to go via China in and out. Yeah. And he was the only person on a tour. He had two tour guides and one driver. So it was like a completely private tour. Yep. He went and saw the border, the DMZ, from both South Korea side and North Korea side. Yeah, sure. And he said to me, it's one of the most interesting places he has ever, ever been. Yeah. And to the point where the tour guy dropped him off at the hotel and uh, basically told him not to leave the hotel yeah. until she came and got him the next day. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, look, it's, like I said, it's very adventurous, but that's yeah. something that I... I can book four clients. This is very, very unique and different itineraries. He also just returned back from Iran, which I guess is somewhere else very, very, very different. There are are tours through there. And look, the good thing is, Jeff actually said, out of all places he's been to, it's one of the most beautiful countries and most friendliest people, actually, that he's ever met, which was quite, quite beautiful to actually hear because, you know, you hear different stories. Uh, but to hear it's you know from the horse's mouth you know it's somewhere i want to go to now so now that he's tried it (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. so um i imagine they must have been interesting uh welcome home phone calls that you made so uh if you haven't listened to episode 18 uh uh, best place to travel in your 50s go back and have a listen to that so maria explains that um one of the unique things that she does with her customers is is gives them all a phone call when they return from their from their holiday to get their feedback, uh, which is quite unique. I hadn't heard of anyone doing that, so um, I think it's a, a really good differentiator. So, yeah. what were uh, what were those? I'm I they must have been. Um, I guess you must have been uh, anxious to to mm. see how Jeff went on, on both of those welcome home calls. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with those two, or with those two examples as well, I actually did contact Jeff while he was away just to make sure he arrived and was happy, <laughs> because they are very, very different. You know, different types of countries to visit. So I wanted to make sure that his safety was was priority as well. Yes. And you know, when he did return, I also give the option to my clients of actually meeting face to face and and having that feed getting that feedback from them as well. So yeah, with Jeff, I did meet face to face, so he was happy yep. to do that. So, yeah, it was a very interesting conversation, to say the least. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Well, thanks for coming in today, Maria. Uh, That was really good. So uh, we'll include in the episode uh, webpage and show notes, uh, you'll you'll have Maria's contact details there. So um, feel free to give her a a call or an email uh, for any of your travel needs coming up to to meet with her. So 
um, you ha- you obviously have a, a no obligation policy. You meet with people, I imagine. Uh, just well, just explain that process. Yeah, if someone yeah. if someone's looking to book yeah. a potential uh, holiday with you, mm-hmm. what what is what is your process? There, yeah. So what I do there is now, it comes down to whether it's actually an existing client or a new potential new one. So with the existing client, uh, we generally meet up. Sometimes they, they're happy just to have a chat over the phone about discussing their requirements if they were like an actual existing client. Otherwise, with the new ones especially, I will do my best to arrange an actual face-to-face appointment. I don't like to deal via internet and social media for yes. new customers because I think a lot of information can get lost in between all that sort of correspondence. So I do make a point of cl- calling the potential new client and arranging a face-to-face appointment so that they can get to know me, I can get to know them, mm-hmm. I can find out what sort of holiday they'd like. They get to know me as a travel consultant as, as well because it needs to work both ways, yes. I feel. So I find that that first meeting is really, really important. So through that first important meeting, I will we will discuss you know what their needs are, what their wants are. And as you said, yeah, it's no obligation whatsoever. Um, but you know you try and get some sort of commitment commitment from them I guess as well Um, because I'm very much a lawyer with my clients as I hope they are with with myself yes and you know I draw from the knowledge that I have and you know past experiences that I've had with other clients and try and bring that into the conversation and yes another thing I do mention in that first meeting as well is my 24-hour emergency assistance service Mm. which I think is really handy and something that other travel consultants may not do and that gives people the peace of mind as well. Yeah, look, um, that, that certainly makes sense to me. We have a similar process. It sounds similar to ours. We, we have a face-to-face meeting with, with any new potential clients uh, for mm-hmm. the same reasons. Yeah. It, it's really, really hard to, to convey everything that you need to convey and also um, uh, to get to know that person if, you, if you're not doing it face-to-face. Um, we feel that at the end of that first meeting, uh, we've given... Uh, our potential new client enough information where they could make a decision mm. uh, to either go with us or, or, or not. Um, there's certainly no pressure uh, on our on our behalf. It sounds like the same with you. Um, yeah, absolutely. We we, we um, talk to that person or, or people and say, look, you get you guys go home and, and talk about it, and then um, and you come back to us should you want to proceed. We won't we won't certainly. Um, whilst we could follow up with people, we we like. Uh, to, to have a, a no obligation policy uh, we've, we, we realize it's quite daunting for people to to, to feel that obligation sometimes mm. when they when they're meeting with someone for the uh, the first time so absolutely that's really good um, uh, and you get to have a, a latte or a cappuccino by the yeah. sounds of things as well when you, yeah. when, you meet, when you meet with you uh, at a cafe somewhere around Maria Um so that's really good to know. Uh, like I said, we will include Maria's uh, contact details. So feel free to get in touch with her should you um, for your next uh, upcoming travel. Thank Thanks you, again Michael. For coming in. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Money Over Fifty podcast with Lighthouse Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.